Wireless. How is that? Check, check, check. Good. All right. So what I'd like to do is, is we highly value scripture as, as, as the context for our story. Uh, it's not, we don't see scripture as a rule book. We don't see it as a formula book. But we see it as, as our story that we are in. And so I, I really would like to set this morning's story time in the context of Scripture. And the Scripture that's really been kind of on my heart for today is, 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 doesn't really seem like an Advent story, but I think it is. I think it's an Advent Scripture. And it's found in Luke chapter 24. And it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a strange one. It's the story of the road to Emmaus when those two disciples, remember they were walking to Emmaus from the from Jerusalem after Jesus' death. And they'd heard reports that he'd risen again, but hadn't had any verification of that. And, and Jesus kind of, in some ways, shows up to them and begins walking with them, but they don't recognize him. And I think that's the, often what happens with Advent. And I think a lot of today that you're going to hear is just about recognizing Jesus. Even though it seems like there's been a lot of reversals and setbacks and and, and, and what are the blind things that keep us from seeing him and what he wants to do in our life? So the text is from Luke 24, and he comes up to them, and, and he asks them, well, what's wrong with you guys? And they say, well, you know, don't you, don't you, are you the only one that doesn't know? Don't you read the news? You know. So after they give him the big song and dance about, about himself, because <laughs> they're talking about him, uh, dying and and reports of him rising again, he, he just launches into them. And this is what he says. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village... To which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Did you know God sometimes pretends? I, li- I love that, that one sentence. He continued on as if he were going to go farther. So he's pretending. Verse 29, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When, all, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us, with us on the road, and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, and saying, it is true The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The good news of Christ. So the context uh, is conversations. Our hearts burn as Jesus is with us and sometimes we don't recognize him, but but our hearts are burning as we hear stories, as we listen to one another in conversation, as we walk together 
on the road. But it's through the breaking of bread, which we're going to do in a few minutes, where God promises that we can see him afresh, that our eyes can be open. So let's just be open to that as we're, as we're listening to these stories this morning. So our first story is, and we're still kind of anchoring this in our fusion document, which we've been going through this, this uh, fall. And the first um, statement, uh, next slide, please, uh, is uh, we want to have a view of English-speaking Canadians through the eyes of international students. And this has been a real eye-opener for us over the last um, months and years, uh, not only through our own homestay students that stay with us, but also through their friends and guests and visitors that we've had in our home. And uh, giving them a chance to talk has given us occasion and opportunity to, uh, to go, whoa, we didn't know that. Wow. Uh, and and to, to see that there, there are barriers to us fulfilling our vision. And uh, our vision is, if you can just go to the next slide, is because God's story is one of reconciliation, we are striving towards reflecting the ethnic, cultural, and social diversity of our land of many nations. Did you know that Toronto and Vancouver are the most ethnically diverse cities in the world? But I walked into an evangelical leaders meeting last week, and guess what the demographic was? Old white men. So I was able to speak, and I was able to say, listen, guys, this isn't reflecting the reality. And it was well received. Thankfully, they didn't throw me out. But um, yeah, they said, ye, ye are we. Ye are we. Um, but... Um, but it's hard work, and, and, and our churches often do not reflect that diversity, right? And, 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 but it takes work, and there are barriers to it. So I thought that it would be wonderful to have our lovely homestay daughter, Hyunjin. Now, now before she comes, i gotta, I got to try this. So Esther, uh, Hyunjin in, Kathleen Wee, Hak Sang in the Dab. Uh-huh. Yeah? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and Kathleen uh, in... Hanjin we song sang nim imnada, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Bad English accent, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. all right, I tried. Anyway. Come on up, Hanjin. <laughs> this is my song sang nim. She's teaching me English, so so I'll 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 pull this over here because you said you didn't want this. So so again, Jenny, uh, welcome. Uh, it's been such a joy to have have you in our home and. I want you to take this, and you're going to have to hold it quite close. Yes. So, um, because, as, as I said on this slide, because God's story is one of reconciliation, we're striving as a church. This is our vision yes. towards reflecting the ethnic, cultural, and social diversity of our land of many nations. So I, as I've shared with you, I believe your story and many of your friends can help us. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your home nation and why you're here in Canada. Yes. Uh, nice to meet you. I'm from Korea, and I'm hoping my story can help you embrace ethnic and cultural diversity, and hopefully uh, it helps you to see obstacle or barrier to this. And the reason why I decided to, came to come to Vancouver is to learn English. And as you may already know, uh, most young Koreans 
most most young Korean have to learn English, and it helps to it helps us to get a job and to open the other doors. But I didn't want to just learn English, but to have some experience, cross-cultural experience as well. So, and I was able to choose the other country like America or some countries in Europe, but I heard Canadians are much more friendly than those countries, so now I'm here. <laughs> yes. Awesome, all right, so uh, my second question would be, uh, well, first of all, how long have you been in Canada now? Mm, I've been here seven months. And how long are you going to stay? Uh, I left to one month. Oh, okay. <laughs> Second question. What is the thing uh, you miss most about Korea? In fact, I don't really miss Korea that much. <laughs> Just one thing I've missed, the people like my family, my friends, and of course, I really miss spicy food, for sure. <laughs> yes. So we, we, were, we were feeling really sad for you, and so uh, in order to, to comfort you, we took you to a special place, and I was kidding uh, uh, Hyunjin about kimchi ice cream, but you all know Casa Gelato, <laughs> they have all of these flavors, and I'd seen wasabi, so I said, we got to take you for kimchi ice cream. And she just could not conceive of kimchi ice cream. But sure enough, we get there, and I jokingly asked them, hey, do you have kimchi ice cream? And they go, oh, yeah, right over here. <laughs> we could not believe it. So I want you to watch. Some of you have seen this already on Facebook, but I want you to watch the sequence. So uh, she was a really good sport, so she tried it. Yes, a little more, a little gelato there, yes, yeah, oh, oh my goodness. So tell me, tell me, tell me the, so tell me the transcendent experience that you had when you tried kimchi ice cream. Oh, don't try it. <laughs> no, I don't like it. It was really cute because we asked the girl, uh, we said, what is the top, top 20 ice cream, or top 10 ice creams, and they said, not kimchi, they said yeah. so. So anyway, thank you for, for being such a, a good sport about that. That was, that was very fun. So tell us, what are the one or two things you've loved most about Canada? Uh, Canada, uh, first of all, I've, uh, most of all, I've, I've loved the Canada's natural surrounding, for example, the Canada's skies are really clear. If, yeah. yes, when it isn't raining. <laughs> because uh, in Korea, we can see just few of the stars in, the, in cities. So I really like it. And we don't really have the natural parks because most of us live in high-rises apartment and most majority of parks are built by bricks or some artificial materials. Do you remember this moment? Just give us, a, this was on top of Burnaby Mountain, and yes. the next one, uh, yeah, do you remember that one? Yes, in UBC, right? This was at UBC, yes. got a full rainbow. I kind of had to do the, what do you call it, the panorama shot. Yes. There you go. Well, yes. It just seems like, it, by the way, when we take our homestay uh, daughters or sons out for outings, I'm amazed <laughs> at how often God just meets us this way. We just have these, 
incredible encounters uh, with nature. Just for you. Oh, All right. <laughs> so, uh, the no, second I, thing? I'd like to say one more. Oh, yes, of course. And secondly, I really, uh, I really shocked about the social awareness or concern. When I first took a sky train and bus, I was really shocked because everyone waited for persons with disability. And when I haven't seen my, many people in Korea with disability, it doesn't mean we don't have them because the reason why they can, I couldn't see them with, as much as here. They can't, um, they, they are not able to access our public areas well. So, wow. yes, I was beautiful. really. Beautiful. Wow, thank yes. you. That's a beautiful mm -hmm. affirmation. Thank you so much for that. So tell us, what are some, one or two things that have been really hard for you about being in Canada? Uh, obviously, the hardest thing is communication of being in Canada. Of course, of course it is because my English is not perfect, but I think there are some reasons, some cultural reasons as well. Like, um, imagine, you are in the situation where, where, where you have to concentrate for entire day, every day, just to, just to able to understand anything, and even many times, I cannot understand at all. So it's really hard. Yep, and most Canadians I I've met since I came here are really such a nice person. So I didn't want to make them disappointed and feel bored with me. So if um, so, sometimes I can't understand what they are saying, but I try to pretend <laughs> that I do. <laughs> um, yes, I really appreciate their effort to communicate with me. I really want to be authentic with Canadians. Yes. Yes. Wow, that's very helpful. So, um, Ginny, what are the, 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 and by the way, one yes. of the things, Ginny's quite gracious about us calling her Ginny, but one of the things I've noticed, because her daddy also called her Ginny in, back in Korea, but what I noticed in talking to a lot of her friends and her students, the other students, is that they feel a bit like a split personality when they take on an English name. It's really hard for them. I think it's one of the things we can do is to really work hard at getting, getting their names. I think that's really important. So Hyunjin, yes. what are the biggest challenges you faced socially integrating with English-speaking Canadians? Uh, I want to preface this by saying that it's not only a challenge for English-speaking Canadian or people whose mother language is English. Uh, some of people, some of those people, tend to not let me finish my sentences. Uh, so I really understand they want to help me finish my sentence and help me continue conversation, but. It often isn't what I want to say, sadly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> do you want to do some marriage coaching? <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, I'd like to say to you, I need we, we 
who are learning to speak English, we need more time to come up with what we want to say. So please understand me. And yes, and I want to in I want to say, I want to tell you one experience of my friends. Uh, I and my friend traveled in Central America for about a month, and we were on our way back to Vancouver. But we still don't know why he was detained by he was detained by immigration officer, and he asked the immigration officer asked him. Why he wanted, why he wanted to come to Vancouver, and he showed his visa, travel visa, and he asked if he wanted, if he wanted to get a job in here. So he said no, and he added, the, "I just want to get a volunteer job." And the immigration officer, after the answer, uh, immigration officer yelled at him and asked same question for five hours. And uh, he said things like, "You said you wanna get a job. You wanna get a job in Vancouver, but you have just only travel visa in here." So he was trying to explain his situation, but the immigration officer didn't want to hear his saying and just yelled at him, "Ask same question. You wanna get a job?" You want to get a job? You said that, so, and he caught his saying, and just he was in there for five hours. After all, he was released from there, but it was terrible experience. And the point is, the problem was the word job. Yeah. Uh, for Korean, we don't think volunteer job is a job, but if we say job to Immigration Canada, they, they, all they hear is the word job. So I think it's the kind of misunderstanding of culture things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what advice would you wa wa offer us then, uh, Jinny, with regards to being a more welcoming and to international students and yeah. new immigrants, especially Koreans and, and Asians? Mm. As with the previous situation, I think we should acknowledge our cultural differences. Uh, like, if we, if um, if children are learning to speak English, we are willing to wait for them, and we try to interact with them, and patiently help them. So. If, if we are willing to do this with children, can't we be willing to do the same thing with others, like others who is learning to speak English, like me? Yes, so, and in my opinion, it would be amazing for you to create opportunity for us to meet Canadians along with my, our, our friends who are in the same situation, like, which is living far from their own countries. Because sometimes I feel really nervous when I meet a bunch of Canadians alone. So if I'm, if I'm with my Korean friends who are in the same situation with me, it is easier than now. And yes. I, and, I, and I want to point out that when, we, when we've had those situations, your friends all speak English. Yes. With, with us. They don't 
kind of enclave, and they, they really want to practice their English, but they do it socially with their friends and with us, and that seems to provide a buffer a little bit, eh? a safety net for yes. you. And I, I want to add one more. Um, please don't think we are here only to learn English, because sometimes they said to me, it's really good opportunity to speak English and you must be happy like that. So as if the reason why I want to meet Canadian or the other country people just for practicing my English. So I don't think so. I really want to meet new people out from other country and just get to know them and interact with them. So please don't think we are here just for practicing English. Yes. One of the things that I want to point out is, is when, when Jenny talked about being willing to slow down and allow people to finish their thought and finish their sentence. For some of us, that's, that's harder than others. But I'll tell you that the conversations I've had with these guys have been so profound. And it's precisely because I've had to slow down. And in, in the slowing down, uh, there, there's been a depth of conversation. And I remember when I took Hebrew and Greek in, in, in Regent, they told me that one of the reasons to, to take Hebrew and Greek is it slows you down to look carefully at the text. And so uh, I, I just, I just want to assure you that uh, the conversations have been incredibly rich. So lastly, Ginny, what, there, you know, there's, what, what advice could you give to us as a church? Um, you know, uh, numbers of our people are thinking of, of being homestay uh, parents like us um, or have done that. And, um, you know, we, we want uh, Asians, Koreans uh, to be at home with us because you, you have so much to give. So how, how can we do that better? Uh, do that better? But uh, I, I don't think you need better uh, because now ooh, I almost cry <laughs> because, mm, I was really thank you for everyone <laughs> really generous and kind for me mm. and even just greeting to me so I'm really thank you and mm, just do like that Recently, to do for me, it's gonna be perfect. <laughs> yes. Sweet. That's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your coaching project, and, and there's this opportunity for people to help you at the end of the service uh, today. Yes. Um, now I'm doing my own project before I go back to Korea about my future goal, my dream. Uh, I want to be a life coach to help someone who are in need or someone don't know what what they are, should do or what is their dream, what their dream is. So, but I forgot bring my questionnaire. So if you are willing to do, willing to help my project, I will put this paper behind. At the back, the yes. welcome table, yeah. Yes, if you just sign up, name and email or contact, I will send my questionnaire. And it takes just five or 10 minutes. Of course, it depends on how many time, how long. Depends whether you ask a, a pastor. 
<laughs> yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I send my questionnaire if you are willing to do, willing to help me. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Thank you, Jenny. Beautiful. Oh, Let's pray for her. Can we? Yes. So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this amazing, precious gift of being able to welcome into our home someone who's become part of our family and not only our own family, but our church family, just the welcome that she has felt. And I pray that would grow and continue and that what Ginny has shared today, we would learn and just, just adjust, adjust our relating, uh, adjust our eyes when we, when we miss invisible people, when we, we, we default to talking to people that we feel more comfortable talking with, they can talk more fluently. Just convict us, Lord, and show us, of the, show us the amazing treasure that we're missing out on by, by that lack of patience on our part. And, and take us deeper, Lord. We thank you for Jenny and her dream to be a life coach, and I ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would lead her and bless her and guide her and let your favor be on her, Lord, as she goes into this next season of her life. Thank you for entrusting her to us and for the privilege that we've had to have her in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, too. Oh, thank you. Good job. All right, so don't forget to sign up at the back for, for her project. That would be great. Awesome. Well, our next guest is uh, Dan Atridge, and we've tried before to get Dan here, and he struggled a little bit with health, and I'm just so happy that it worked out today. So come on up, Dan. Let's welcome him. We finally made it. We did. Awesome. Dan, you've been so hospitable and so welcoming. So before we even start, I just want to say thank you, because you've been such a big part of... God's comfort, really, to us through a very difficult four months where we just didn't know where. And just the way you've championed us from the day we met you and, and welcomed us, you know, on behalf of the diocese and all that, I th it's just been a real blessing. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you for that welcome you've given us. So, so I've, uh, I've, I invited Dan to share because I really believe the story of St. David's is part of our story. And so tell us what you know about the founding vision of St. David's, of St. David of Wales, including some of the early stories, like that great one about how they paid off the mortgage. All right. So uh, St. David's uh, has only been St. David's since about 1972. Uh, prior to that, this building was actually built as All Saints. Um, so the, the name of the building from the, the, before it was actually even on this property uh, was All Saints. And they, uh, uh, when the parish dwindled down in the 19, late 1960s, 1970s, uh, to a, a small congregation. So our sister parish, uh, which was called St. Saviors, uh, over on uh, in Grandview, um, First Avenue at Selman, Semlin, excuse me, uh, it's still there. Uh, the two churches merged, uh, and they came under the new name of St. David. Our bishop at the time was also named David, but they tell me there was no coincidence there. Uh, but <clears throat> uh, the, the parish was, uh, was started by a small group of uh, folks from St. James 
Anglican Church down on Gore and Cordova. Uh, that was sort of the mother church uh, in Vancouver that really started all the other churches. Uh, it was the f oldest church, it was the first one. Uh, the current church down there is now the third St. James. Uh, the first one burned down in the Great Fire of Vancouver. Uh, the second one uh, became way too small, so they tore it down and built the one that's currently there. But the parishioners were overflowing and they came from all different uh, because uh, most of the people were immigrating into Vancouver, and they came from different traditions uh, within the Anglican communion, really. Uh, so they were high church, low church, middle of the road, a uh, couple charismatic groups, um, and they would go to their priests and say, we want to grow, we want to leave and, and start something new. So they would do church plantings all around Vancouver. So St. James uh, planted All Saints. All Saints then... Um, did the same thing, and we started a, uh, or they started, I wasn't around, uh, they started a uh, new parish called St. Uh, Nicholas in Burnaby, uh, along with Christ the King in Burnaby. Uh, neither of those two parishes are around anymore. They've merged into becoming uh, uh, one parish again over by Brentwood. Uh, the decision to move the church uh, in the, I believe it was the 19, late 1920s, early 1930s, they moved the church. Uh, it was about eight blocks down, uh, Victoria Drive, and uh, they cut the church in half, right here, and they brought up the sanctuary first uh, on uh, rolling logs uh, pulled by teams of horses. Um, and you can still see the pictures. I wish I could have brought them, but I will get, dig them out from the archives. Uh, and you see them the men taking the logs and moving them to the front and moving it a little bit more, and they really move foot by foot. Uh, and then once that was in place here, they brought up the nave. Um, and uh, This is the nave. This is what we would call the nave, yeah. Um, Anglicans really like to throw, <laughs> throw names all over the place, or different words all over the place that really are, are not in our daily use. Um, so we would call this the nave, the chancel, the sanctuary. Um, I'm fine calling it the church. <laughs> um, so that, uh, so uh, Christ Church Cathedral, uh, they were another uh, church that was started uh, because there was a lot of low church Anglicans that wanted to, um, you know, get rid of the smells and bells and all the lace um, and, the, and the formality of, of the high church at St. James. Uh, so they started what was called Christ Church Parish, and which is now Christ Church Cathedral downtown. Um, and they were a low church. There was no candles. There was no incense. There was, communion uh, was not called Mass. It was called the Eucharist. Um, and St. David's was quite a low church until St. Uh, or All Saints was until St. David's uh, got their rector three rectors ago, um, Father Alfred Hutchins, and he brought the high church tradition to this parish. Um, and the priest following, uh, Father Penrice, uh, was uh, here for about 25 years. He baptized myself, my sister, um, my nephews, and uh, he was, they don't get much more traditional than him. Um, you know, it was this parish didn't have a female uh, priest or leader in the congregation until 2001. Um, 
the Anglican Church started ordaining women in uh, 1970s. Uh, so it was a long, a long process for us to become an inclusive parish. Uh, and yeah, I, I could just keep going on and on. So tell, let's tell us about the, the paying off the mortgage. So right, so we they bought uh, the two properties. So the the church sits on uh, two lots, uh, and the lot to the west of us, uh, where the hall is, um, for the first. Oof, I don't even know how many years, many, many years, um, they used it as a potato patch and they grew potatoes there. And from the sales of the potatoes, they paid off the mortgage on the properties. And it was, uh, it was quite a feat uh, back then. And uh, they even talked about seeing uh, potatoes coming up in the gardens many, many years, many years after. Um, and uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Dan, uh, why don't you sh there's a couple of shots there, of course, of, yep. the, old, of the old All Saints, ah. I think. And then the story of St. David's, uh, I don't know if you want to say anything about those, but that, I, I just uh, threw them up just before the next question. Yeah. The story of St. David's of Wales seems to parallel your family story a lot. Tell us, I think you already referred to that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it does, bit, and right? I'll, I'll just briefly touch on it. My uh, great-grandparents immigrated from England. Uh, they bought the family home uh, just over on Eaton Street here, uh, not very far, um, and this became their home parish. They, I just found out, I always thought they were married here, they weren't. They were married at St. Mark's in Kitsilano, um, but they, uh, they worshipped out of here. My grandmother uh, and my great aunt uh, sang in the choir. St. David's had the largest choir, church choir, in all of Greater Vancouver um, from about the 1940s and 50s. Wow. We had the top uh, concert organist um, in Canada. He was, uh, I mean, we still have all of his original music that he had written um, that's all gone to the archives. They had, I don't know if that last picture shows it, but the choir was so large that they actually added two more rows of choir stalls at the front, and the aisle was no wider than the carpet here um, to, to get up there because they had so many people, and the overflow was, wow. was amazing. As you can see from that picture, just quickly, um, there was a rude screen. Uh, not sure, uh, worship the Lord in the holiness, in the beauty of holiness, I believe it says. Um, so yes. there was a, a rude screen that used to be here. Uh, again, when the two parishes merged, they got rid of that. Uh, or actually, no, it was a little bit before that. The pulpit was one of those traditional big pulpits that used to stand here, way too big for a building this size. Um, and the only other thing that's a bit different there that you'll notice is the windows. So the, the Good Shepherd window uh, in about 2002, 2003, the committee, uh, the church had to make a decision about them because they were literally crumbling under their own weight. Um, and we knew we had to restore them. Uh, so we had one of the top uh, stained glass restorers in the country uh, came out and did it. And one of our longest serving parishioners, the, the, most, the, the one lady who never wanted anything to change, she said, we need to change the windows and we need to put Christ over the altar <laughs> where he belongs. Um, and, uh, and she was right. So they actually, the, the windows are exactly the same dimensions, the same size on each end. And uh, we decided to take uh, the Good Shepherd window from that side of the church and move it that way. And I think it was uh, probably one of the better decisions they made with regards to the building and the changes there. As you can see, the woodwork in here is unbelievable, actually. Yeah. Um, and they went and hid it all. 
So they put these walls up in the rumpus room paneling, as I like to call it, um, that was probably beautiful in the 1970s. Um, they, they, they covered all the tongue and groove wood. And yeah, I mean, we can still see it in the, in the, in the ceiling, yeah. but if we go into the organ loft or if you go under the stairs, at the front stairs, you'll still see the original um, look of the building. Uh, and it was a, a beautiful uh, space. So um, we talked about the parallel, parallel of my family and the, and the, and the parish. Um, my parents were married here uh, in 1974. And uh, then my sister was baptized here. But my parents weren't, uh, my dad wasn't a churchgoer. And my parents moved to Burnaby. And so my sister and I weren't really raised uh, as regular churchgoers for many years of our childhood. Uh, we'd go to church on Easter and, and, uh, and we'd go on Christmas, of course. Uh, but that was about it. <clears throat> when I turned about 14, um, like many young teenagers, I had a lot of personal problems that uh, I needed answers that I couldn't get. Uh, I needed to understand what life was about. And so I'd said to my mom, Mom, I want to go back to the church I was baptized in. And so mom brought me here uh, one Sunday, and I knew I was home. Um, it, it wasn't the building. I didn't know a single person in the congregation because we hadn't been associated with this church for, for a number of years. But uh, when I came back, within a year, my entire family had come back, meaning my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents. Um, and it was, it was a wonderful thing. Wow. Um, we, uh, there's so many stories. Um, my grandmother, for some reason, was the only one of her siblings never baptized, but she attended church her whole life. Uh, so she made a decision. Uh, Grandma was on dialysis uh, for 25 years, and uh, she made a decision that she wanted to be baptized. And so I was very honored that she came here, and I actually got to be her godfather, uh, <laughs> which was a, was a neat thing. And then we had our confirmation together. So um, it was, it, it's always been a very special place to me. Um, it is a church building, but it's not the church, and that's something I've always struggled with. Um, you know, I, 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 I never wanted to leave this place, and it wasn't until I left here that I actually developed a relationship that is um, with my creator that is something un unlike I've, one I've ever had. I was saying to Dan at the coffee break that, <clears throat> um, you know, it's the church building in itself is an important place, but it's when we leave the church that it's most important because we are going out into the world. So is, this place has a lot to, uh, to offer, but it also has a lot of repairs that are needed. Um, and we, uh, you know, it was never built to last forever um, unless uh, there was a lot of money put into it. But uh, yeah, I'm a little off topic again, no, that's but great. that's good. No. Why don't we combine question sure. three and four? Yep. Uh, just the impact of, of the season of, of I, I'm not sure on the chronology of, of, of when it closed and when you left and, and all, all that, but just, just that, the, the, the impact emotionally of its closure, the closure of the parish, and, and um, yeah, just, just how, yeah, just how, you, how that impacted you and personally, emotionally, and those that you know are a part of this parish. It, it was very difficult. The parish closed about 10 years 
too late. Um, it should have closed much earlier. Uh, unfortunately, when a congregation gets very small, they, you know, there's very few people that have to use their resources to keep this place going. And, it, uh, and we all know how expensive it is to run a church uh, like this. Um, but the life, the people who were here for 50, 60 years, w they wouldn't give it up. And they, they gave everything to keep the place going. Um, it was very difficult when I heard that the parish was closing, but it's something I knew that needed to happen because it wasn't the church closing. You know, it was a new chapter starting yeah. and having you guys here uh, has, has fulfilled that and, and, and given us a new chapter in this building. The congregation here has never been the same. It's never always been a high church or a low church. Um, it's been a place for people to gather, to worship and to give thanks and to um, be in community with our, our, our brothers and sisters. Um, and it, so it's important that we, uh, we recognize that. So uh, before we let you go to the organ, no. tell us a little bit about, and, and you've already touched on it beautifully, as, but if there's any further thoughts you have, important things to say to us that, that, uh, of, of, of that new chapter, just stepping into your story, uh, how can we help continue that story in your heart? Well, don't change anything you're doing because what you're doing is, well, like Ginny was saying, don't change it, you know? It's, you're doing something that's, uh, that's right. Um, you know, having those doors open every Sunday morning is probably the most meaningful part of it. What happens in here is irrelevant to me. It's about opening the doors, gathering, sitting with people you don't know, and getting to know them. Um, we, we, we share a common humanity that is, uh, is not always, does not always seem humane uh, in the outside world. Uh, but yet when the doors of the church open, uh, we all come here. It, it's a safe place, and that's what a church should be. And that's what it was for me at 14, is I needed a safe place. Um, and, it, and this place offered it to me. Um, I think, as I was saying to the dean of Christchurch Cathedral um, when he was asking me about the new congregation here, um, and I was telling him about my first experience on your first Sunday here when I came in and I was at the back door and I saw the amount of children that were walking around, the people, um, and they all had coffee in their hands. <laughs> That's the trick. If we would have let people come in with coffee before, I, the, the church would still be open, I think. But, uh, um, you know, you, you, it's, that was, uh, that was <laughs> I know it seems uh, like a, a small thing, but it was, you know, it was a friendly feeling. Um, it, this place has not always had that friendly feeling. You know, it was always, there was people who would come in, my friends especially, would say, it's too formal, it's too rigid, you know, we're, we're afraid to make the wrong move. Uh, there's too much standing, sitting, kneeling, standing, sitting, kneeling, um, as the Anglicans and, and Catholics like to do. Um, but I, as I said to the dean, you know, it doesn't matter what they're doing, it's that the gospel is being preached here. And that the good news of, of Jesus is, is still filling this space. And, uh, and, and to know that this community that we live in... Um, is 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 benefiting from you guys being here uh, all i can do is say just keep doing what you're doing 
because it's it's so important that we uh, that we get the message out. And uh, the nice thing is that we don't always have to get the message out the same way, uh, but we want to speak to those in the way that it reaches them. Um, so, um, just on a quick side note, uh, Joanna and I were talking, and this parish, you know, it's, it's an amalgamation of a whole lot of stuff. It's, you know, the windows are original. The pews are not. The pews came from St. Saviour's. Um, the pulpit came from St. Saviour's. The altar came from St. Saviour's. The reredos where the candles are on came from there. Um, you know, the banner shrines on each side were given in memory of a lady who lost her life way too early, and her husband was a bishop. Um, um, the cross that's at the organ is in memory of uh, one of our longest-serving organists here, um, and uh, a mentor of mine, actually. Uh, he'd probably roll over in his grave if he heard my playing, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. So um, thank you for inviting me here today. Um, it's, it's a joy to be with you. Um, there's a, small, there's a, a story that was once told me um, of a village in Africa that has a specific name that they call Anglicans in their, in their language. And the, 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 the name translated literally translates to the people who cannot move when praying or singing. Because Anglicans, they just stand there. And, and I was looking around, and you know, with the music you have, it, you, you want to move. You want to you get your body moving. We, we, we worship with our bodies uh, as well as our minds. Um, that's, you know, and uh, it's always been a joke. I mean, to see so many people sitting at the front of the church here is, is quite an amazing thing, because Anglicans all sit at the back. And... Uh, and, and you guys were here well in advance of the start of the service. <laughs> Anglican, well, some. <laughs> but um, anyhow, so we're going to try to get through a couple hymns here. I chose two that I don't need any music to read, so I can watch my feet as I try to do what I try to do. Um, I hope these are hymns that you guys will be able to uh, pick up. So, uh, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, has become the unofficial... Um, anthem or hymn of St. David's. It was probably the one hymn that we sung the most during our, our time, and uh, it's uh, a great Welsh hymn um, that is uh, also known as, in England they sing, Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer. Uh, we, we still like the Jehovah here. Um, and the second hymn was just a, was an Advent hymn from our um, 1938 prayer book uh, that we'll do to a tune, hopefully many of you will know. Uh, but if not, uh, I'll play through it a couple times, and you guys should be able to pick it up. Uh, sing loudly, please. <laughs> and if I stop playing, just keep singing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll try to get through this. But again, thank you so much, and to Gordy. Um, you know, the, the diocese is thrilled that you guys are here. Uh, they, they hate to see churches close. They, they love to see our churches remain open. So keep doing what you're doing, and bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. So the, the words are in your bulletin uh, for the hymn. And uh, 